Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. There's one thing I've always known deep down inside. We have superpowers, each and every one of us, but many of us are disconnected from our source of power. My life's quest has always been to explore all the ways in which we can reclaim this power and live the ultimate human experience. And this is why I'm super excited to talk to today's guest, who is an expert of reprogramming the mind, removing mental barriers, and supporting people and becoming life champions. Amy Curran is a master coach and trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, also known as NLP. She's also the CEO of To Empower You, and she coaches entrepreneurs as well as the general public to reach their full potential now without struggle or stress by helping them create a rock solid identity and positive self concept. Ariana Summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Amy, thank you so much for being on the Superhumanized podcast today. Thank you. That was a fantastic introduction. All of it. I loved it. And I'm so happy to be here and share uh, knowledge, gold, insights uh, to your listeners and whatever I can share that helps people be a better them. I'm all about that. And however it is that people uh, do their experience better and enhances their life. And I'm all about it. Fantastic. Super grateful to have you here. I know you're very busy. So let's jump right into it. Excellent. So NLP is uh, more established than uh, many may think. Many high profile people and peak performers have NLP trainers from actors to athletes, to presidents, to CEOs of huge corporations. And some of the planet's most successful companies, such as uh, Mercedes-Benz, American Express, just to name a couple of examples, have embraced NLP for everything from sales to customer support, executive training, uh, political speech writers, the so-called spin doctors use NLP, as do trial attorneys who employ NLP techniques to help sway uh, the jury. And another interesting example is Tony Robbins, who used NLP and completely shifted his life, became massively successful on all levels. But for those of our listeners who are not acquainted with it yet, in your own words, what is NLP exactly? Well, there's a couple of different components to using or thinking of NLP. And one of them is learning how to use language to create change in your own mind and with others. And another component of NLP is there are tools and techniques that 
bring what's running that isn't serving you, that's down in the unconscious mind, up to the conscious mind, changing the program and then dropping it down into the unconscious so that can run and create better habits, better thoughts, um, better beliefs. You, you can change you know, a negative belief that you have that's running under the unconscious. You bring it up to conscious awareness again, change the program and drop it back down. So that's the two main components of NLP, language, uh, how we're communicating, and then also changing the internal program and dialogue that's running internal. So can, when we change the inside, the outside reflects our change back to us. Mm, and that's a concept that has fascinated me for such a long time. Um, some people who've listened to this podcast for a while recall I'm a huge uh, uh, student uh, and fan of uh, Carl Gustav Jung, who of course also said to know and explore the um, unconscious uh, because we need to connect it to our conscious. We may be thinking one thing up here in our conscious mind, but our subconscious is programmed to do something completely different. And um, can you give us a little background on the history of NLP? Well, it was originally created by Richard Bandler, and he was mainly interested in computer systems. So NLP is about systems. And then he decided to start creating techniques and tools and systems to work in therapeutic ways. And so then he, you know, he realized that he was good at uh, helping people change. And then he met up with John Grinder, um, Virginia Satir. So NLP is modeled after uh, Richard Bandler, Virginia Satir, um, Milton Erickson, and I believe John Grinder as well. And it's, uh, I think it was, um, became a thing to, so to speak, it was developed uh, in the 1970s? Yes, in the 1970s. And back then it was very unknown. And now the whole world is interested in NLP. And I think that's wonderful. Yes. And what was your own journey? How did you come across it? And what inspired you to actually become a master trainer? Well, <laughs> love this question because you're going to love this story. <laughs> when I had a time in my life, and it was four years ago, where my whole world was crashing down. It was crashing down. Uh, my marriage was falling apart. My health was just horrible. Uh, I couldn't get anything working in my life. And prior to this crashing meltdown, I used to be on medication for depression, um, PTSD, just all kinds of problems. And when I went off the medication, all of the things that I had never dealt with came up, which ultimately caused me to begin to crash and <laughs> I had a lot of destructive behaviors. Um, my mother was an alcoholic. My father was a Vietnam vet. So I was programmed to have an internal war going on inside of me. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know. And so when I got to hitting a wall in my life, I started looking. I thought to myself, you know, there's got to be therapeutic ways that I can change my situation and my experience fast. I, I just had this internal knowing. 
And I started doing some research and listening to different podcasts on the mind. And I came across uh, NLP coaching. And so I called a company and I went and got trained. And at the time, I went into the training only for myself. I wanted to change my beliefs, uh, heal my health, uh, change my relationships, the way I relate to people. And I had zero intentions of being a coach at the time. Uh, And I walked out of that training letting go of PTSD within 15 minutes and I, you know, I dealt with a lot of other things in the training as well. A lot of traumatic experiences that I had from the age of zero to seven, uh, from my father being a Vietnam vet. And of course he brought the war home. Uh, and usually they'll pass that trauma on to children. So I had ancestral lineage of trauma, war, all, all of my family went to war. Oh. And so that was running inside of me as well. And then I got my certification. I got my certification in NLP coaching, uh, timeline therapy, hypnosis, and uh, yeah, NLP coaching, NLP coaching as well. And so I walked out of that training feeling a heck of a lot better. <laughs> and I was certified to work with people. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're like, I can start working with people. And so I did. I started working with clients who had uh, anxiety, depression, all those things. And, you know, perception is projection. As I'm working with someone, they heal, I heal, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone is me pushed out. And over time, as I continued my journey, my projections change. So I attract different clients for different reasons now. After I took my practitioner, I went and took my master practitioner And uh, in the master practitioner, it is mastery level of NLP. And I had a breakthrough session on my health there. So when I started my practitioner, I was 102 pounds and I had a lot of self-devaluation conflicts running, which was breaking down my body. In my master practitioner, I had a full breakthrough session on my health, resolved those conflicts and... Now I'm 125 pounds, I'm feeling great, I'm doing better than ever. And then I decided after the master practitioner, there was, I I thought to myself, there's nothing, nothing that could stop me from being a trainer and sharing this information with the world. And so I became a trainer and that was a three week intensive program. And I held my first training three weeks after I graduated. And I joined the master trainer program, which is an even higher logical level of mastery. And right now I am in-house coach for all of the students for a world-class NLP training company. And I coach their master trainers, uh, master practitioners and practitioners. So I went from being a wreck, (laughs) a train wreck, a really good train wreck, with PTSD health problems. And now I'm on the other side of that using all of the techniques that I learned. 
That's a wonderful, wonderful story. Thank you for sharing, Amy. And I find it so interesting. Sometimes the things that we seek in life for ourselves and then we find solutions yes. and they're so transformative that we just can't help but carry them out to the world because we want other people to partake in that too. Um, and you, I find something really interesting. You mentioned the PTSD, the anxiety, and of course, also how trauma is passed down generationally. For myself, I have all my life dealt with anxiety. And my father is a war child. He was a little boy during the Second World War. And of course, that comes with a certain mindset. But also, I think, uh, you know, there's certain things that are imprinted in our genes, there's experiments, rather sad and, and, and not nice experiments with mice, but where they expose them to electroshocks and then at the same time infuse the cages where the mice are with, I believe it was a peppermint smell. And they found out that um, not only the uh, next generation of mice will respond with fear and stress just to the scent of peppermint, even without electroshocks, but it is passed down for generations. Super so you have learned a lot of the techniques. I think it's important to clarify NLP is a kind of an umbrella term for many different techniques and procedures. Yes. What are the ones that are best known and applied today, and which are the ones that you specialize in? Well, um, Part of a parts integration, it's not traditional NLP. And I would say that utilizing the techniques of parts integration is what helped me transform the most. Traditional NLP would be using uh, what is called submodalities and mapping across. And submodalities, it's jargon. And what it means specifically is how you code an experience. You have an experience, the unconscious mind takes a snapshot of it. It tracks how you were feeling, what you were smelling, what you were seeing, uh, sounds, and, it, and, and you have that code of that experience in your mind. And we can go in there and change the code or the picture or the sound that you heard or how you felt. And once we change that, then again, bringing up from unconscious to conscious, we make you aware of that little program running or that picture that you had in your mind. And, we, and, it, and, it, and it's as simple as changing a piece of art. It is. It's so simple. Um, and I, you know, parts integration for me, it's not a traditional NLP technique and yet it's, it's widely utilized in uh, NLP. And what parts integration is about, it's about part of me wants to be successful, part of me doesn't. And so you have these parts acting out in your mind and that's where the self-sabotaging stuff can come along because a part, the part that may not want to be successful and it has a higher purpose and intention, it wants you to be safe. It wants you to be comfortable. So the part is doing its job, right? And when we integrate those parts uh, and heal the inside, that war is not going on inside. So I used to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I'm not saying that, you know, a parts integration can help with that. <laughs> and I am. 
That is fascinating. So now you are, if I may ask, so you are off um, the the uh, so-called conventional treatment methods for bipolar disorder. NLP has cleared that for you. Yes, yes. I used to be on Seroquel. Uh, I, I was on whatever new product came out for years, uh, starting from the age of 27 till uh, it was, uh, I've been off medication ever since my training. That's absolutely fantastic. And I know there are, I personally have friends who are dealing with this. So I think they're going to find this conversation with you of, of great value. And I hope I can uh, put them in touch with you as well. Good. When you just spoke about the parts integration and you mentioned that there's these different parts inside of us, one part of course uh, wants us to succeed, the other doesn't. How can we even um, find out, uncover these parts that, do not want us to succeed because I guess in a lot of instances, they might be very well hidden deep inside our psyche. Yes. Well, when I'm working with someone, I'm paying close attention to their language. So the word language is language, how a person gauges their experience. And so they'll, they'll just come out and say, well, part of me, wants this and part of me thinks that or wants this, it, it'll, it'll be a conflict. And I get to the deeper issue of that conflict. So to give you an example, one woman would say, part of me wants to live in this house in this town and part of me wants to stay home. And so I'll continue to dig so that I can grab the largest portion of neural nets to bring the wholeness together. So I'll keep asking, how is that a problem? Well, if she can't make a decision on what house to live in and she's got a part running and I start digging in deeper to figure out what the deeper problem is, the problem turned out to be part of her didn't believe that she could be successful and part of her did. Listening to the client's language and then digging, digging, digging deeper usually what happens is when a client comes to me, they're not coming to me for what they think they are. <laughs> They'll say, I have a problem. Okay. I'm listening to what the problem they think it is. And so what I do is I uncover all of the constructs and the beliefs and the values that are surrounding that problem. And if I do my job well, which I do, I will pop the root of the problem and all of these other little problems just disappear. And I do a detailed personal history. You know, I want to know what happened when let's, let's deal with that. Yeah. That is also, I think, um, and, and you specialize amongst other on coaching entrepreneurs. And I think one of the biggest problems, any of us who are entrepreneurs face Uh, and that stands in the way of achieving our goals is self-doubt. Uh, for that particular issue, is there a specific technique that I know everybody, every mind is different, but is there a particular technique that comes immediately to your mind that could be very helpful and how would it look like? Can you walk us through that just so people get an idea? Well, it's, it's interesting because self-doubt is simply a decision. It's a decision. And you can trust your unconscious mind and ask, when did I decide to doubt myself? 
And the unconscious mind always answers first. So it's the first thing that comes up. And usually the conscious mind wants to delete it. Right? It, it wants to negate it. So you can just ask yourself, when, when did I decide to doubt myself? You know, was it one specific day? Was it a specific event? Was it when you were a, a child? Uh, a lot of this stuff that comes up happens between the age of zero and seven, the imprint stage. <laughs> Just ask yourself, when, yeah. when, did, when did I decide to doubt myself? And once I have a hold of that particular memory, where do I go from there? Well, you can get the learning from that memory, which is a positive learning. Like, let's say you had that event. It happened in the past. You know the day that you decided to start doubting yourself. You can go a little bit further back in the past and just look at that event and gather positive, empowering learnings and resources from that event that helps you move forward move forward. And we do that process with, uh, it's called timeline therapy techniques. Mm, I know that's something you specialize in. Yes. yes. And so when, when I do that, when I do go backwards and look for these empowering, uh, memories, imprints, um, how do I, I use them? I just try to replace the negative memory or how does it work? You can reconstruct the memory so that it turned out the way that you wanted it to turn out and uh, you know, install a different outcome so mm -hmm. that you're bringing that a uh, better outcome towards your future. You can do that. You can just revise it, that memory, that experience, you can revise it in your mind over and over and over again until you get a, a feel for it, a feeling of realness, and you can just change it. A lot of, a lot of people will hang on to a limiting story mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, it, and it's almost like people need to be given permission to just go back and rewrite that story. Right. It can be that simple. And what, what it's taking control over our stories. Again, we write these stories of our lives. It's our sovereignty. Yes. We are embracing again. And I think that's something so key that you said here. We can right. rewrite them. And of course, what we're talking about right now is uh, thank you for explaining it in a way that also somebody who is not acquainted with NLP can understand. This, of course, is a process that's a highly... Um, experienced and qualified uh, master trainer like you would take a person through, but I think it gives a good idea of one example of one technique and how it can help. Yes. And uh, the way I view my story is my neurology is mine mm. and I'm going to do with it whatever I want to. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. It's, it's my story is mine. Do I want to rewrite some stuff in the past to have had better outcomes that are, you know, are helping me move forward in my future? It's my neurology. It's my story. It's my mind. And I'm going to do with it and, and think in ways or change whatever I want to about my story, about my past that empowers me. And I certainly am not interested in 
you know, being given permission by someone else to do that. I just take that on and everyone, you know, give yourself permission to change your story. Don't ask for permission. You own your story. Yeah, I love absolutely. A lot of my listeners are biohackers, so people who actively work on optimizing their body and brains, and uh, many of them like to see the results of what they're doing in uh, black and white, let's say like lab results, for example. So are there the results of NLP quantifiable in that sense? Is there a crossover with science, like let's say um, PET scans, or I know, you know, brain plasticity has come in leaps and bounds over the last decade. So um, so we can now also see some of these processes work. So is, is there a, a crossover? Can you quantify what NLP does also in that scientific sense? So in so far specifically as changing the neurology and how you would physically see yourself in health, is that the question? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so right now, I have held a picture in my mind of how I want to show up. Mm-hmm. So the way I look right now on the screen is exactly the picture that I've held in my mind and it's right in front of me. And that there's, that's where my focus is all the time. Now I didn't look, you know, my hair wasn't like this last year. And as I continue to hold that picture in my mind of how I want to show up, which is my hair is, done exactly the way I had visualized it. And so I keep focusing that on that vision, on that picture, on that reality. And I be, do, have, and act from already having accomplished this vision of myself, how I want to look, how I want to show up, how I want to act in the world. So that's, that's something simple that anyone can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the relationship of health, I'm so glad that you mentioned this, um, because in our master practitioner, I'm going to hold this up on the screen. I don't know if it, yes. if it backwards, yes. backwards uh, to you. No, okay. no. It says, yeah, five biological laws of nature, the psychic roots of disease by Bjorn Abel. Yes. And when I read your bio, I read that you were um, originally from Germany. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, so you might be familiar with the work of Dr. Reichardt Hammer, and he was a doctor in Germany. And what he discovered is the mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even even now, I'm not I'm not thrilled with saying the mind-body connection anymore. I think I'm going to change my language to saying the mind-body unity, because it is unified. And so what he discovered, and he discovered this through uh, having an experience of his own, he was a doctor, a medical doctor, and when his son died suddenly, it created a trauma inside of him, and he immediately developed testicular cancer. And he ran brain scans on himself. And what he noticed was there was a trauma ring in the brain and you can see it on a brain scan. And yeah, you had the trauma in the mind and the trauma in the mind connected to the organ. And then what he did was he didn't understand why did I get cancer? I ate, I eat well, I take good care of myself. And so he started interviewing other men who had testicular cancer 
And what he found was a law, and that's why it says the five biological laws, because his information is accurate 100% of the time. All of these men suffered an incredible loss, which caused testicular cancer. Let's say um, uh, right now, or, or even, even over the last two decades, we've seen a huge rise in breast cancer in women. Well, depending upon which side of the body it would be developed on, there would, there would be a conflict shock of divorce. I lost my man. He's torn from my breast, right? And so she'll develop breast cancer on, we need to figure out what side of the brain is controlling which side of the body, of course. And we do that by um, asking the client to do a hand clap test. And so depending on which side of the brain is running which side of the body, they'll develop breast cancer either on the right, which is I lost my partner, or it could be on the left, which could be a nest coral conflict. So Dr. Hammer mapped out beautifully the psychic roots of disease. And like I said, it's 100% accurate all the time. Wow. I really have to look into that. And uh, I have some dear friends and also family who are struggling with some very serious disease. So for somebody who is dealing with something traumatic on a physical level and uh, maybe also has been struggling with that for many, many years. What is something that they could look into right now that may help them on their path to healing? This book. The Psychic Roots of Disease. Yes. 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 I mean, I was working with a woman It was about a year and a half ago and she had MS. So MS on the psychic level is self-devaluation. Mm. That's massive self, self-devaluation. And so we, this, this information from German New Medicine, and anyone can uh, go look up Dr. Hammer's work, uh, germannewmedicine.com. Self-devaluation, what happens is the person is self-devaluing, self-devaluing. So the body runs a special biological program to break down tissue. Mm. Why? Because later on, it wants to build the body up stronger. So cancer is no longer something that needs to scare anybody because it's a running a special biological program. It's just like having a scab. You know, cancer is like having a scab. It's going to heal once you heal the conflict. Mm-hmm. It's going to heal. So, of course, we want to think about the food that we're eating. We want you know, organic food, fresh, healthy ingredients, because we want to give the unconscious mind the material to help rebuild uh, the body. And when you're not feeling well, when you're not feeling optimal, or you feel sick or feel diseased, nine times out of 10, that's the healing phase of the body. Mm. That's the healing phase. And so it's a good idea to get rest, heal, resolve whatever conflict created that psychic issue that is affecting the body. And once you do that, you go through a healing phase. And what happens, a lot of people, they think they're sick 
and they'll go to the doctor during the healing phase and that healing phase can get uh, interrupted. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think what you uh, uh, are saying right now is so hugely important, especially for us in the uh, Western countries where we're, you know, used to using Western type medicine to heal ourselves. I personally think it's fantastic that we have the access that we have, you know, emergency situations, um, life-saving interventions. Uh, but at the same time, I think it is so important to also look at the root causes of disease, especially chronic disease, and, yes. and use what we can to see ourselves as a whole system. This is not just a body machine. It is mind. It's our spirit or soul, if you want to so uh, speak in that way. Um, and, and I'm very happy to see this coming together more and more. It, and it will improve the quality of our lives vastly, vastly. Absolutely. I have been very excited to see German New Medicine start to come out of the closet I am seeing people from all over the world uh, joining German New Medicine groups, learning about it and resolving the conflicts that would be creating uh, a, a conflict of illness or disease in the body. But once you start, once anyone starts learning about this work, you no longer fear an illness or fear a disease because it's, it's a reframe in your mind of, yeah, you know what? My body is doing this as a biological special program that it's running for me. And, you know, what can I learn from this and you know, be, be very kind and gentle to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people don't know this, but fib fibromyalgia, which, you know, the medical system doesn't know what it is. That's also a self devaluation conflict so I'm very mindful of how I treat myself. I'm not interested in beating myself up. If I make a mistake, oh, well, you know, I move, I move on. Uh, I'm not interested in allowing myself to get into other people's dramas or traumas, meaning, you know, I can hold the space and work with them. However, um, if someone wants to extend an invitation for me to feel bad, I politely and respectfully decline. It's like loving yourself, <laughs> loving yourself. I had a lot of uh, self-devaluation conflicts running before my uh, NLP training, which was, it, it, I lost a lot of muscle mass mm -hmm. and was very tiny. I weighed 102 pounds. And so once I changed, you know, my internal dialogue and how I felt, thought, acted and behaved towards myself, uh, those issues were changed. Mm. And here I am now. Wonderful. And it's so interesting to hear what an impact NLP can have on a personal level, on the psyche, on the body. Uh, how does the application of NLP would differ, say, in a corporate environment? Okay, in a corporate environment, uh, I would utilize NLP to get everyone on the corporate board aligned with their goals mm -hmm. because people have different values. Uh, some people have a very high value for making money. Some people have high values and respect. Some people have 
high values and integrity. And so I will elicit everyone's values in the corporation and get them aligned. Because once all of the people on the board are aligned, just like two people in a relationship, you're like a shooting arrow focused towards what you want. So if I go into a corporation and I align the values of the board, their income is going to skyrocket. That's something I definitely also want to look at. And speaking about, you know, the income is going to skyrocket. So abundance. There is a quote on your Facebook page that I loved. And it was the only thing that cannot exist in an infinite universe is lack. (laughs) (laughs) To live in a state of abundance is to cleanse your state of illusion that lack is possible. So most of us today, a lot of us operate out of the state of lack, which is basically fear. There's not enough for me, for everyone. Um, how can we switch this perception? I think, and I think that's such an important thing because it's at the root of the, a lot of the problems that we see nowadays, this operating out of lack. Uh, what tools does NLP have to help us tackle that specific issue? Is there something you can share with our listeners that they can start applying to their lives right now to get rid of this running on this program of lack? Well, it's interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to step outside of the bounds of NLP and just give you a tool and a technique that I use uh, consistently and on a daily basis is my attention is not focused on lack. Energy goes where attention flows. So if I, let's say, let's say hypothetically, I were to receive uh, a letter in the mail and it said, Amy, you owe so-and-so $20,000. Like, okay, well, that's interesting. So I would, I would read that letter over again as if the way I would want to have read that letter, which is, Amy, you, you are getting $20,000. So I'm reframing my experience all the time. And so, you know, when, when people are poor, it's because they're conscious of being poor. And so my focus and and attention is not on lack, it's on what I want my outcome to be and I act as if I already have it now. And a lot of people have a problem sometimes, depending upon how they sort information, when I ask them to, can you act as if you already have it now? And sometimes, people have funny feelings about that. And I say, well, you know something, when two people do a love scene in Hollywood, what happens? Usually they wind up dating or getting married. Why? (laughs) Because, Because they were acting as if they had it now. And so when you act as if you have it now and assume, you know, because assumptions harden into facts later on, act as if you have it now, then it automatically becomes. That's just something simple that you can do. And some people like the word pretend. And what I say when I mean pretend is pre-intend for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretend you're wealthy. Watch what happens. Once you start assuming that, you become that. It, 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 step, it steps in that, you step into that role. So my, my focus is not on lack. I'm 
not interested. And so it's a practice of crowding lack out of your consciousness. Hmm. Just crowd it out. Yeah, taking control of your mindset. And something you said uh, earlier on in the conversation, we were talking about uh, another topic was, but it was to really also feel it. So not to think it, but feel it. Feel it. Yes. Feel it. Because feelings, feelings are the language of the unconscious mind. So in the morning, when you wake up or anyone listening, when you wake up, feel the feelings of what it is like to be wealthy, successful, and abundant and feel it. So you're programming, you're, you're doing self-hypnosis in the morning. And it's good to do that practice as you're still in a hypnagogic, sleepy state, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you're just a little bit, a little bit tired on the way to waking up and just, just lay there and feel as if you already have it. I'm already being, doing, having this experience. And that in and of itself begins to reprogram the the subconscious mind. And then at the end of the evening, as I'm drifting off to sleep, I'm going to revise my entire day. I may even revise how I did this podcast. Who knows? (laughs) But, But before I go to sleep, I'm revising my day. Let's say I didn't do something that I should wanted to do that day. Um, Maybe it's uh, making a phone call to someone. Maybe it would be making a phone call to my mother. And I went to bed without making that phone call to my mother. I will go back and revise my day and implant the memory and the experience of having that phone call with my mom. It's my neurology. It's my story. It's my mind. And I'm going to reprogram it however I choose. And here's what's interesting about memories. There's, a, there's also scientific data that suggests that any event that did happen in the past didn't happen the way you thought it did anyway. Because you're going to generalize, uh, you're, you're, you're going to filter your experience through the perceptions that you had at the time, with the values that you had at the time, with the beliefs that you had at the time. And this is why 10 people can watch one bank robbery and come up with 10 different stories. And every time you access a memory, you re-edit it. You re-edit the memory every single time you access your memory. So your past can be whatever you want it to be. And the only way to keep a memory intact as it was and how you thought you experienced it is to never access it again. So your past is most likely an illusion anyway. So insert whatever you want to have happened in your past. That way you're carrying positive, powerful uh, resources in your future. Yes, and, and the more you do that, also what you just, it's, uh, it's fascinating and it's true what you just mentioned about uh, questioning different witnesses and they experience the same event completely differently uh, as we also do on our inside when revisiting memories and basically recreating them from the state yeah. that we're in right now. Um, what you said about when, um, you know, when you wake up and feel whatever you want to feel you want to be you feel as if you are so you're also actually rewiring your brains brain you're rewiring neurons to they they fire together you wire them together Uh, so you're also creating a completely 
different outlook on life. You will see more opportunities. You will likely make different decisions. Exactly. In, in the context of working with someone who would have a poverty mentality, let's say they don't have a lot of money right now, um, what I would task them to do is spend the money that you do have and in a way that you're thinking powerfully about it. So a lot of people who don't have a lot of money right now, they're still buying groceries, they're still buying toilet paper, their basic needs. So when you go to the grocery store and you're paying the invoice, you think in your mind that you are spending an abundance amount of money at that moment. So think think in more positive, resourceful ways about the purchases that you're making right now that you already make on a daily basis. Reframe that in your mind. Wow, I'm spending a ton of money right now on groceries. It feels great. I'm so abundant. We all superhumanize programs and trauma with us that don't serve us. And a lot of it is just part of our history, you know, whether we have this poverty mindset, but it's something that we might have grown up with. So we still carry it around. Right. Uh, something that I find very interesting about you and, and uh, researching you and your bio is you homeschool your children. And I heard you say in an interview, it's because you don't want to put them into this system. Please explain what prompted that decision. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, my, my children are, well, sometimes when I say homeschool or people hear that I homeschool, they have an internal representation that I'm sitting at the table with my children with books all day long. And that's not what we do. My children are self-directed learners. And I knew just intuitively as a mom that I wanted to keep my children home. And this was before I had any awakening to uh, the realization that you know society has been programmed to be uh, very unresourceful. And I just intuitively knew, so I kept my children with me. And I was a bit overwhelmed at the thought of homeschooling them and being responsible for their education at first. And what I found interesting was that I did sit at the table and taught my first son how to read. And he didn't like reading afterwards. With my second son, I just left him alone. I was like, I'm not going to teach him how to read. Well, guess what? He taught himself how to read. He, they both teach themselves how to do whatever it is that they want to do. And because we're coaches, we instruct our children and uh, I would suggest that any anyone listening take this on right now. You have the ability to reject, delete, and eliminate any suggestions that are not useful for you, that are not for your highest good, and that are not for your highest evolution. And from now on, only accept suggestions that are for your highest good, for your highest expansion, for your highest wealth for your highest opportunity. And the reason that I say this to people is because you listen to people talk unconsciously all day long. And if you're, if you're just wide open to that information, it's going to go right into your unconscious mind. So I could 
put my kids in the public school system right now because they are trained to reject, delete, and eliminate any suggestions that any authority figure, which could be a doctor, a teacher, anyone, they can reject and delete and eliminate that. And I test them and I ask them, what did you reject and eliminate from your consciousness that you just heard this authority teacher say to you? And they tell me what they reject, delete and eliminate. And I also instructed my children to reject, delete and eliminate anything that comes out of my mouth or my husband's mouth, because yes, I'm a master at what I do. And at the same time, I'm a human being still working on any limitations or beliefs that I may have running. So they, they will tell me too, and they'll call me out. You know, I reject that mom. I was like, good. <laughs> I love it. That's excellent. excellent. So yeah, my, yeah. So my children work with, uh, actually they go to school with one of my students. She wanted to create her own school with children who were self-directed. So my children design their own curriculum. They uh, inform their teacher of what experience they want to have. Uh, and she just facilitates that. So she's not, she's not programming them. She's not uh, installing anything that would limit them. And they wouldn't, my children wouldn't allow that to happen anyway. And they're self-directed, which is, taking control of their own lives. They're, they also know that they are responsible for how they feel. That's, yes, that's a big one. Right. The one thing is sovereignty, sovereignty about your life, about what right. you choose, about what you learn. And uh, sovereignty also comes with responsibility. Yeah, not looking yeah. towards the outside, this blaming victim mentality. But, you know, don't be a victim, be a victor. Own yeah. your life. Exactly. Write your life story. Take yeah. responsibility for it. And one of the things that I noticed is the victim mentality programming that is happening in the public school system and in some homeschool co-ops as well, depending upon the level of consciousness of the parent. They talk a lot about bullying in school. Bullying, bullying, bullying. And, you know, no one likes to be bullied. I think it stinks to be bullied. And, you know, if my child were to come to me and said, so-and-so bullied me, I would stop them right away and I would ask them, what were you projecting? Were you standing up straight on all four cylinders? Because we communicate with our unconscious, right? It's, we're... Communication with words is only 7%. I said, were you standing tall? Were you projecting strength? Because if you're projecting strength, unconsciously, a person isn't going to want to mess with you. So I hold, I hold my children responsible for how they're showing up in the world. Mm. Yeah, their uh, victim mentality does not work in my household. <laughs> and I'm raising my children that way, too. <laughs> Excellent. And, you know, looking at the times we're going through and have been going through collectively for the last years, yeah, we need empowered and um, uh, responsible uh, warriors in the best sense who stand up for themselves and yes. for others and do that out of their fullness and yes. their sovereignty. That's a beautiful thing. Yes. There, you are, there are many psychologists right now uh, printing books 
about their experiences working with uh, teenagers and children and, you know, what's coming out of that work and it's being brought to light now is the fragility of teenagers. They need to toughen up a bit. Um, We have a, we've been experiencing a very coddled, coddled nation so some good uh, anti-fragility training would be in order. We have touched upon so many interesting and uh, uh, profound things in this conversation. I've been enjoying it so much and you have so much to teach and share. Um, there's a question that I ask every guest uh, that comes on to this show. And it's what are the practices that most profoundly changed your life mentally, physically or spiritually? So in your case, of course, NLP is a huge one, but are there also other practices that really have impacted you? Yes, the parts integration was huge. Uh, Studying uh, German New Medicine from Dr. Rekegaard Hammer was huge. And I'm also very involved with the work of Neville Goddard. Oh, please uh, expound on that a little bit. Uh, he, He is... He's definitely a prosperity teacher uh, and he helps people, you know, rewire their neurology as well. And he is where I got the information of revising your day, revising your phone call. I might even revise how I did this podcast. I don't know. Right now I'm happy. Uh, (laughs) I'm having a good time. Uh, It it just revising your day, revising your mistakes into wins, into wonderful outcomes, crowding lack out of your consciousness, showing up and being, doing, and having whatever it is that you want, you know, go buy a, go buy a, an expensive suit from Macy's and wear it, feel rich. If, if you want to go rent, go rent a Porsche for a day and drive around in it, get, get the, get the feelings, you know, you get raising your vibration Feelings is the key. And I learned all of that from him. And that is definitely outside the bounds of NLP. And yet it's still very NLP. Mm, I'll have to look into that for sure. Yes. Amy, people who want to get in touch with you or learn more about you, um, of course, there's your website, the number two, toempoweryou.com. Where else can they find you? You can also find me on Facebook under Amy Curran. And those are the two places that I'm at right now. Um, I don't have an Instagram. I don't have, I do have a, what is it? Uh, the other, the business one there that people use. LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. I do have a LinkedIn profile and I'm not on there. I realized that I'm sticking in my lane and using a platform that works for me. I know a lot of people will, you know, spread themselves out and it's just not for me. So those are the two places that people can contact me. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Amy, this has been such a delightful and insightful and inspiring conversation. I'm super grateful you were my guest today. And I know I'll personally likely follow up with you um, and get in touch uh, to learn more. And uh, thank you very, very much. You're very, very welcome. It's been a pleasure sharing my gifts and my gold with the world. Superhumanize. 
accelerated evolution. 